coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. So if you think about it, when you're, when you're a direct rep for any of these uh, PEOs, you're really, you're really trying to find the reason why that solution makes sense for every conversation you go into. That's really what your tasks, that's what you're being paid to do. As soon as you go independent, you're able to make recommendations to your clients of things that you would actually do. Um, so I found myself in a lot of conversations as a direct rep, just finding that one reason why something made sense and ignoring the hundred reasons why it didn't make sense. And now I can identify the hundred reasons why something does make sense and in helping my clients understand maybe the, the, the downside of whatever decision they're making so that they can know on the front end that they're getting into a relationship that's going to really move their business forward. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spiracle Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to this edition of The Hive Life Podcast, where we focus on marketing and business. I'm Jared Latch, co-founder of Spiracle Media, and I'm excited to welcome a friend and fellow entrepreneur in Charlotte, in Jeff Wander, the founder of Pear P.E.O., and I'll let him describe what that's all about here in a moment. But Jeff, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really looking forward to this. And I figured you had made it through enough people that I finally made it on the list. I'm just grateful to be here. You did. You kept moving back up. As we took the others off, you just naturally went toward the top. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're here regardless. And we usually like to start with a brief background and sort of how you ended up in your case here in Charlotte. And I figured out the other day that I was in college in the same town. You were a lot younger than I was at that point in Canton, Ohio, where you grew up. Take us through just an abbreviated path to getting here. Sure. I, I love telling the story. Um, and I think everyone has a lot of people have always come to Charlotte story just because there's so many transplants here from all over the globe. And, um, you know, me and a couple of buddies from college, we, we lived through enough of those gray winters up there. If you were there for college, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where basically November through end of March is just one big gray cloud and uh, snow, melt, mud, snow, melt, mud. Uh, and we got that just too many times. And so we, we put on a map, we looked at Nashville, um, Charleston and Charlotte. And I tell people we were going to move to whichever one we visited first. And Charlotte was just straight down 77, a real quick trip. We visited in July. All three of us had new jobs ready to go in January, uh, moved down here and, and never looked back. We absolutely love it here. It's such a, a great city that's kind of defining its own culture as we go along. And it's, it's a real fun to be a part of that. Now, looking at uh, Pair PEO, the company that you, you started, we'll get into how you differentiate yourself here in a moment, but, but first, do you recall, and I like to ask this to all entrepreneurs, do you recall a singular moment when you decided, okay, not just the idea, but now it's time to, to go after it? it? It's real. It's a series of ideas, I'd say. And it, it really came down to me being a direct rep with my previous employer, Insperity, uh, who's a great company and a great thought leader of the, the PEO industry as a whole. But I just saw a gap. Um, I saw my clients not asking me questions that I'd be asking if I was on their side of the table and, and just thought, you know, they could really use an ally at the negotiating tables, making sure expectations are set correctly. And you're really creating prof or I mean, beneficial and productive relationships when you do that. Um, and I just felt like I was saying no too much to my clients because my solution was overkill for a lot of those conversations. 
and talk about the industry in general. Just explain it real quick to sure. those that are listening right now. See, my previous employer would hate me for saying this, but it's it's a lot simpler than it really seems. It's really just big companies bringing buying power and resources down to the small business space. So a PEO is a professional employer organization. So they're just professionally employing small companies. Now small companies have access to Fortune 500 benefits, buying power to keep costs down year over year. And a lot of the conversations usually start because of healthcare, escalating healthcare costs um, at the small group and medium group level. Um, so that's really what the model is meant to be, is an efficiency play for helping people onboard faster, bring on the right type of talent, keep it, and be competitive against larger employers in, in, a, in a metro. And talk about now with Pair PEO, like what has that allowed you to do? If you go to, to sell somebody against the big guys, you know, what's that, what's that exponential value that you're bringing to the table? Why can you operate a little bit different? So if you think about it, when you're, when you're a direct rep for any of these uh, PEOs, you're really, you're really trying to find the reason why that solution makes sense for every conversation you go into. That's really what your tasks, that's what you're being paid to do. As soon as you go independent, you're able to make recommendations to your clients of things that you would actually do. Um, so I found myself in a lot of conversations as a direct rep, just finding that one reason why something made sense and ignoring the hundred reasons why it didn't make sense. And now I can identify the hundred reasons why something does make sense and in helping my clients understand maybe the, the, the downside of whatever decision they're making so that they can know on the front end that they're getting into a relationship that's going to really move their business forward. And what are some of the advantages for somebody to use a PEO? Because I know that, you know, in the, the bigger operating space, it's, it's common knowledge that they, they utilize it quite a bit. I guess they can take it internal as well and figure all those things out if they have a big enough team. So there's this this vast space. But why why PEO? And I, I guess is liability is a, a big part of that play. Yeah, I'd say that the PEO solution for me, I get three different avenues of, of really good prospects for a PEO are, we'll, we'll start at the beginning, the small end, you have a, a startup that's got some funding behind it, a three, four uh, entrepreneur startup that is looking to turn that company into a, a growth or a growth engine. But in the meantime, they want to have good benefits for them and their family to know that they're covered and secure, but a great platform for them to be able to hire the right types of talent to take their business to the next level. The second is really a group that's been around 10 plus years. They've gone through the most inflationary years of healthcare reform in our nation's history. So then naturally they're super frustrated with what their rates are and what their plans look like uh, after going through that deterioration. So they can use a PEO to kind of get themselves back to where they were probably 10 years ago in cost and in both quality uh, of plans that they can offer their people. And the third is the higher, um, you know, the hundred person group, the 50 to hundred person group that maybe has one HR head that has a um, revolving door of generalists underneath them. So they're just so frustrated with the fact that they bring people in to help this HR head get out of the weeds and answering tactical uh, benefit questions for their employees. And they, 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 they rev up this individual that or the generalist underneath them that just keeps turning over after they get up, they get a couple of years of experience, they leave for a different job, take on a new role, and then you're just back to the, to the drawing board with another generalist. That takes you six months to get out of that frustration phase of training up anybody to be productive within an organization. So that's really when I see the PEO solution just fitting very well inside any of those, um, those three types of uh, profiles. When you look at us as business owners, we know that connecting relationships is what it's all about. I think in every corner of life, that's what it's about. But it needs to translate in a business sense as well for you to have success and get referrals and find new opportunities. You're... 
I would say king connector here. One of the best, if not the best, I've ever been around. And I, I know in some of our pre-conversations, you use the word or the two words, intentionally curious. What's that mindset like and, and what makes you go and, and want to bring multiple people together? You know, I, uh, I think that the intentional curious thing is something that's very intangible and just comes innate to me um, and, and a lot of other individuals. But really understanding what other people are trying to accomplish is probably the most important thing to networking. When I first moved down here, I'm only here seven years. Um, you know, my network has been developing over the last five of that because I was working from home the first couple of years I was down here and getting my feet wet. So it didn't take a long time to create a really good personal brand and focusing on, you know, other people's solutions. What are they trying to do? You start hearing some patterns and, and ideas of how you can potentially connect people so that they can create a greater sum for them, their clients or whatever challenge that they have ahead of them. So I think it's just being mindful that, you know, you're, you're going to get over time because you're giving and, and putting into your network the type of attention that you're hoping that the network gives back to you in the long run. You mentioned the, the personal branding aspect, which I know is important to you, obviously. And you mentioned that having to uh, be in place of corporate performance or at least be ahead of it. Explain that. Can both coexist or you know, how do those things work together? I, I think both certainly can coexist. I think that for me, um, I don't think I'm a great corporate employee because I ask why too much and I'm always kind of challenging the, uh, the Kool-Aid that is being given to me. Um, and so like when you're going to be a corporate cheerleader, you can be super successful just being enthusiastic about the solution that you're selling and kind of put your blinders on. And again, focus on that one reason why your solution makes sense. I never could do that. Um, I could always, you know, again, I could always point to the 99 reasons why it didn't make sense. And so I did that enough as a W2 rep with Insperity and walked myself out of rooms that I just didn't think I was a good fit for, which is really what I attest most of my year one success to is that I walked out of conversations all the time saying, I'm not the right fit for you. I'd go here, I'd take this and I'd leverage it there, basically creating the idea of what Pair PEO ultimately became. And then those rooms were the warmest rooms you could ever walk back into because they know you're not going to push something that you don't believe in. Now, on the personal front, you've experienced some big change over the last couple of years. You make the plunge into business ownership. Mila, right? Your daughter is born. And we know that as parents, that's, that's a game-changing moment. What's that been like for you? It, it is just so... It's so cliche, but it's so perspective altering. It's just so true. Um, you know, you, you get so much more of an appreciation, not only for how much you love that child, but you get an appreciation for how much your parents loved you. Um, oddly enough, I feel like I never really realized all the crap that they put up from my adolescent uh, craziness. Um, and you get a, you, you can empathize with, wow, they really love me this way. And that's why they could put up with all that stuff that I would get myself into from uh, just, you know, normal, normal adolescent stuff. Um, so I think that that's been really powerful for us. It's made me and my wife just this it's such a fun experience to um, raise a child together. I, I've i been using the metaphor of think about having a 24-hour television show that you guys are both addicted to and something new is happening every single day and we can't get enough of it. Um, and that's just been so fun for us. And it, it, it kind of levels off the why of why do you go off into business for yourself in the first place? And it's to create the freedom to be able to be there, be present, be dad. Um, and it, and it certainly makes it all worthwhile. And I know for both of us, you know, we went to get a, a couple beers a couple weeks ago, trying to schedule it. And one thing we said was, Hey, we, we got to get an early beer in the afternoon because we want to get home. 
and, and see the kids and, and your daughter and, and just be available. So that's really changed a little bit too in the yeah. way of evening events in my world right now are frowned upon. Yes, yes. I And it's funny because I built my network on the, um, obviously after hours networking, meeting, just understanding people. And I always use networking, mass networking, I always used as more of a tool to meet one or two people you want to sit down and have a good conversation with that you can really find a way to make an impact. So I've, I've left that real behind just because, again, my wife is a rock star and she's doing seven to seven basically with the baby Mila. And I'm like, I'm not going to have her working overtime because I'm out trying to continue to build this network that 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 way. And and the pandemic's kind of been well timed to avoid the, the, the fear of missing out on networking opportunities because there's not nearly as much of it going on right now, which is a shame. And hopefully we're pulling through that here in the next couple months. And from a networking capacity how has the pandemic changed your approach, if any? How has that worked a little bit differently? You know, I, I tell people I'm a I'm a really bad uh, Zoom learner. Um, I feel like I'm I think seeing, we I think we all are. Yeah, I think that everyone's kind of come to that conclusion that this whole virtual learning thing is not really the same type of um, intentional uh, focus that you get when you're sitting across the table from some people. When I'm on Zoom, there's so many, you know, notifications and things that kind of pop up. So I think that what I've tried to do with Zoom is use it as a tool to kind of get through that awkward 15 minutes of, you know, the first conversation you have with someone where you're trying to establish a way for you to create a positive impact on each other's business, life, personal, what have you. You can have that in a 15 minute Zoom call and then decide to go have a coffee or go have a go have a lunch. And, and depending on how, you know, uh, socially distanced you need to be, you can make that call after that first 15 minutes. So I, I feel like I've tried to do, which seems counterintuitive, I've tried to do shorter Zoom calls that lead to face to face meetings where I know I can be super focused and, and more productive and, and efficient. Now, I wanted to bring something up still with the networking because people do it all the time and they try to do it in different ways. I've always approached it from a non-transactional way. And, and I think that you do the same and it makes us different in that way. It would never work for a, a true salesperson because everything is a transaction. What can you give me? And I won't give you as much back. But uh, looking at that, you know, the approach, I, I just think there's so much you can learn from individuals when you go into these conversations, even if it never leads to anything. I've met with people for, for years just to information share and nothing else. Right. And I'd say that the, the biggest mistake I see in the networking circles is that there's a lot of um, top down. Uh, what's the word? The pushing of networking on people that just doesn't feel natural to them. So you kind of become this walking commercial. And I think that my best networking conversations, again, they're the ones that people are saying, gosh, I really hate this about my job or this is my problem I see with my employer. And then you can start figuring out, okay, well then this is, if this is their problem area. Then you can focus on the areas that they do succeed and they do fit. And I think people try to be everything to everybody. And, and when you do that, you really diminish your overall value in any kind of good conversation. And if you're always pushing something, whether it's mm -hmm. a product or service, you don't listen, right. right? You never get to the root of the issue or the problem so that you can respond with some value. So I want to go back to the, the business and, and pair PEO because you've, You've got some people now in your stable as far as team members. Talk about what that sort of growth strategy is and expanding geography. I know you've had some recent opportunities. Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking that. And it's something that uh, I'm really excited about. I think I've um, I've been a master of trial and error. So I'd say the, the, the growth strategy that you asked me today uh, is going to vastly differ three, four months from now. But that's OK. I feel like I'm really comfortable with that ever moving target of how things need to be done. 
So I brought my first rep in um, Dallas, a Dallas market, which is about a 5X uh, market of Charlotte, tons of PEO reps out there drumming up all kinds of interest in the industry. So for him to come in as this ally on the client side of the table, just a really well-intended hire. Um, and he'll be kind of the template in the, in the, in the launching pad as to where do we go from here? Other relationships, obviously, when you work for a big employer like Insperity, you have relationships for other PEO reps across the country. So you can really target which conversations I want to have, which other metros need this type of service and um, and who's not being served. And this template in Dallas allows me to kind of make good decisions about how do I go into the next market um, thereafter. When hiring people around you, and this is all stuff that you can do at a high level, but eventually if you want to grow, you can't do it all. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of people starting out in business. Take me back to the first hire. How hard was that to actually pull the trigger? It's interesting because it was very it was almost a lot like my um, my step into entrepreneurialism, uh, where I sat on the cliff edge for two years before my wife pushed me off the ledge and, and told me to, that you need to go sink or swim right now because it's going to, you know, we're going to have a family. You're going to have a lot more excuses for why you're, you know, why you're not going to do it. And you're going to get comfortable in this cushy uh, corporate job. It was a lot like that, where I knew I was going to make a hire last year, and the pandemic kind of puckered me up a bit. So I'm like, let's just hunker down. Let's be a producer this year, kind of live in the business and, and see, you know, let's keep testing hypotheses and see if what I think is true remains true. Well, it ended up being a great year. Q3 and 4, the floodgates were open with people really wanting to get microscopic on the, how they were spending money and, where they were, and where, how they were going to come through this in a very strong way. So I, I had... You know, I had identified this guy probably two years ago, like right when I was starting the company. Like, eventually, I'm going to hire this guy. It's going to have to come at the perfect time whenever he's leaving a job that he's dissatisfied with. And I had the means to be able to hire him in a way that wasn't going to make him run back to a corporate job. So um, it, it just happened to have a phone call with him when he was just kind of going through the last rounds of interviews with the company. I'm like, dude, you don't get that job. You're going to come work with me. And, uh, and he's like, at the end of our phone call, he's like, I'm not even going to take the job. He's like, I'm not taking the last interview. I'm going to work with you now. And, um, he's been awesome. And again, he's a great for a solopreneur and other solopreneurs feel this you're on an Island by yourself. It's just been so refreshing to be able to share wins, share experiences, and not just be a, a one man, uh, wall to bounce ideas off of. So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how his value continues to play out in other areas as my business um, you know, the things that I wasn't great about with social media and, and, and being focused on and kind of sharing information and, and being okay with being out there. He's very much the antithesis of that. So I'm thinking you'll see a lot more of my branded material out there. And he's very energized by using the social channels that I just was never good about being um, the face of my own company, uh, which is very weird to say. I think when you, you put things out, I think it's a testament to when you put things out there. I just finished reading the book, The Alchemist, which was really good. It was the 25th anniversary, but it says when you put things out there, the universe conspires to help you get it. Uh, so you've got to be bold in, in some of the things that you ask for. And I think what happens is a lot of people don't ask, so they don't get it. Uh, so those are great opportunities. So for those listening to this podcast that might be starting out, I want to get your advice on this. How important is it to find your niche and what advice can you provide on how you know that's the right way to position your business? That was a long trial error for me when I was under Insperity's um, umbrella because I realized in the networking space as a whole that whenever I would describe what I was looking for, the broader it was, the less I got out of it. And, and the broader that my networking partners were with what they were looking for, 
the less I could really focus on how to make an impact on them that's really going to be impactful. So I think finding a niche and understanding exactly, okay, this is what I'm looking for. It helps people get very focused on, okay, when I come across that, that's a great conversation for Jeff and I'm going to kick it over the, uh, over the top to him. And I tell my networking partners all the time, like the worst answer you can give me is that everything is a good fit. Cause if that is your answer, I'm never going to be able to focus close or I'm never going to be able to connect the dots because the dots are too big. Um, so I think that that's a, a huge part of anybody's, um, rev up is to find what you do really well and replicate that over and over again. And as you do, you get better and better at identifying what you don't do well. So true. And they say, stop doing the things you shouldn't be doing. And when you start out, what you think about doing is being everything to everybody. Right. And, and then you find out, hopefully not years later. I mean, in our case, you know, we, it took a long time and, and you'll continue to reevaluate all the time. Like you said, with your growth plan, it is what it is today, and five months from now, it could be totally different. You still have some remnants there, but it's always a fluid situation, and you need to be adaptable. Well, as we wind this thing down, we usually finish out with some rapid questions. I know you see, since you've listened to the Hive Life, yeah. you should realize this segment was coming. Yeah, I did. I, I was I was anxiously preparing for this, um, but go. Hey, I'll be ready for your for your rapid fire. Let's go. Okay, for here it. we go. Number one, outside of work, what keeps you moving and motivated? Uh, honestly, my, I, I love the, the friend culture that I have down here. Um, I, when you move down from Ohio, you don't have a, uh, a family here. Now, all of a sudden, like half my family's moved down here. So I can't say that anymore, but we have a great group of people that kind of keep each other up, keep each other, keep each other honest and, and focused on, you know, continuing to be better as a whole. And, um, that's a huge part of what keeps me ticking. During the pandemic, what's one thing that you learned about yourself that you didn't know existed or was there before um the the comfort in the chaos um you know my business in like everybody's business in q2 was just kind of halted everyone's just kind of on a wait and see pattern and just thinking through like what can i do right now that people will um be attracted to and so i started doing some things that were um specific to contract negotiation, helping people stay put with their PEOs. Because if you have a great relationship with a PEO, I don't want to disrupt that whatsoever. What I want to make sure is that that PEO is pricing you competitively. And the industry is naturally super ambiguous on purpose. Um, and so people have a tough time main, or managing those types of things themselves. And it generates a lot of goodwill and it helps those clients make sure that they're in a re the right relationship at the right time. Now, we all face challenges, many throughout the course of our lives. Uh, what's a challenge that you have faced gotten past and that changed you for the better i'll say the move down here was a super anxious one for me in ohio ohio families are naturally like this you have all your family lives within five miles of all your family and so i was the first one to move away which is a massively anxious moment for me um, and i was 24 years old at the time and just you know exploring a new city and obviously when you move to charlotte now it's a little bit different because we have this pandemic layer that's kind of uh, inhibiting your ability to go out and meet people and make friends but that was such a comfort zone um space that i had to exit in order to really you know show myself that i could do things outside of the 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 little um the little circle i had back in ohio now that's applicable to Pennsylvania as well, where yeah. I grew up, not too far away. So right. same thing. Everybody was in within five minutes, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. When you're growing up, you got grandparents over here, aunt and uncle, yep. every family dinner has about 25 people. Yep. So, so there is a, a big positive to that. Uh, leave us with a fun fact that most people wouldn't know about you. Something you enjoy. This can be a, a hobby, a, 
a weird habit, whatever you want to throw out there. Uh, I, I will I will say this because it's it's very relevant to the time. Uh, we we bowl in Ohio. Ohio during that uh, five months of gray, uh, bowling is a big a big sport up there. Uh, people make fun of me all the time because I I would show up to our company meetings carrying my bowling bag with my bowling shoes and all of my gear, and they're like, "What is this nerd doing?" Uh, so that's that's probably my uh, little quirky uh, thing that I, I I get really passionate about and have a lot of fun with, and it's the one sport that doesn't get in my head as much as uh, like golf and other things. That there's just so much things that you have to think about, and bowling's just something where you can just get up there and sling it down the lane, and good outcomes usually come of it. Do you own multiple bowling balls? I've I've so it's funny we do a little group down here that's grown um, every year. We new new people come into our, our group that we bowl over at AMF on Tuesday nights, which is like two dollar Tuesdays. It's fantastic, and they uh, they serve up two dollar PBRs too. So it's a great spot. Hope I didn't just ruin our uh, our lane access by saying that out loud. But um, I, I've hand my or hand my balls down. That makes that doesn't sound yeah, right. But yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna clarify that. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, no. we'll leave it alone. Yeah, Bowling so, balls. So yes, I've I've bought I've bought multiple and I've given some away because uh, you know you start getting in a groove with one, it it, it becomes your uh, your best friend there on the lanes. Well, Jeff, this is fantastic. Uh, love your passion for your business. I appreciate you. Great to see your family growing and, and just your passion for people in general. It's contagious. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And you can find out more about Jeff's company and offerings at pairpeo.com. So go check that out. And I want to remind you to check out more episodes of The Hive Life by heading to the podcast page of our website at spiraclebuzz.com. You can find it under the resources tab and check us out on social media as well at Spiracle Media. For Jeff Warner, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit SpiracleBuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.